With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're listening to Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, wherever you are in this great big world. Uh, thank you for listening in on Joe Hoft's show here on TNT Radio.live. We're just we're just kicking butt and taking names here. Another great guest today. I'm, re- I'm actually really interested in our guest today. His name's Harry Harry. He'll be coming in after the break. Harry uh, has been instrumental in the election process in the U.S. Basically, his message will be that we're not in compliance with anything. There's all these laws that were put in place, uh, federal and and state. And we'll be talking to him about that. It's amazing. It's amazing uh, the stuff, the information that he has and the knowledge he has. So I'm really looking forward to that myself. Uh, we're going to have David Clements on again tomorrow. David's coming out with this new uh, movie uh, documentary on the election. Both Harry Hari and myself are in there. And uh, he's got a new trailer out. You can go see it at joehoff.com. You can see it at Twitter. Uh, go to David Clements' uh, various uh, uh, social media sites, Telegram and, and uh, Twitter, et cetera. And you'll see uh, his his new trailer out there. It's excellent. It's just excellent. So all the best to David and uh, and all the individuals that are trying to save this country. It's been a it's a bit of a nightmare, bit of a nightmare. But we can uh, we're going to make it. We're going to win because these people are liars and thieves and corrupt as hell. And uh, we're going to put them in their place. And that's uh, that's the American way. Uh, the good shall overcome. We will overcome from the start of this country until through this day this but maybe uh, maybe never seen anything like it massive censorship i saw some articles on that overnight uh, again we've been censored so bad uh, at uh, the gateway pundit i watched it from afar when i was in hong kong writing for jim every day and at the gateway pundit and and just seeing these numbers go down did a study for jim in 2017 that came back and showed that uh, out of the top 10 sites before the 2020 or 2016 election their volume was down 95 percent after (laughs) in 2017 that was on facebook is that amazing and then you'd have zuckerberg going in front of congress saying no we don't censor and all the congressmen say okay well there it is it's final we trust this guy just total idiots they don't realize these people are they will lie to your face they will lie straight up they don't care they have a different mission their mission is not from god it's uh from the other side it's pretty clear and um so that's what we have to fight against we need to stand up for justice and and equality and freedom for all and that's what we're doing here at tnt radio.live it's a pleasure to be here uh, lots going on again overnight the um just all sorts i see that uh, the sh- studio right before the uh, show here today had elon musk and his comments uh to these individuals who want to censor him and his advertisers and uh brilliant brilliant thought there by elon musk i've also put that up at joehoff.com you can go see that and uh the big news too is more and more is coming out about january 6th and so we were always right we've always been right we just sh- and that's that's the beauty of sharing the truth when you share the truth and you're and you vet it you don't just freaking run with anything um you can uh, you pretty much uh, guarantee you're going to be right 90 some 99 percent of the time and um 
so there it is the um the uh the the pieces uh, that are coming out now are about the uh, 2020 election and the days after the january 6th and there's a video going on by uh from this uh individual uh, higgins uh representative higgins that's out there where he uh he talks to the um uh I guess it was Newsmax and they and he shared yeah I believe there's up to 200 feds in the undercover feds is what he says on, on January 6th in the crowd and that's a pretty big number especially when you see Christopher Ray under oath saying that there were no no feds in, in that crowd on January 6th or in the Capitol when the first time uh, Higgins asked him in front of Congress Chris Ray said I have to be very delicate about what we're saying and, and Higgins just hammers him and says hey the answer should be no <laughs> stop mumbling it should be an immediate no and then uh, a year later he comes in and, and Christopher Ray says makes up some garbage words tries to twist the truth like Bill Clinton Clinton taught all these monsters to do just it depends what the uh, definition of is is was a famous line from Bill Clinton when he was under oath and uh, just liars that's all these people are so they're going to they're they're not going to come out and just be honest with you and say well yes we know there was at least 200 uh, individuals uh, that were there that were uh that were feds that were getting paid by somebody and i put a piece up on this at joehoff.com moments ago and i go back and i see that the capital head of police he was set up that day he was fired the next day and uh then uh, and the rationale being he didn't protect the capital it's because he was set up and there was now we know that there was like 200 feds there that were creating this riot and i put this piece in my book and i just want to read this to you i've written three books on the steel and this uh this i have a whole chapter in my last book which is the cover-up on january 6th and towards the end of that chapter i talk about january 6th and what happened and um there was there was uh there's this guy and and nobody's nobody's heard of this guy but i want to read to you a couple couple paragraphs i have uh from my book uh, this guy's been arrested by the federal government he's he's in he's been in jail for for years now it hasn't had a court date that i'm aware of they're trying to put him away now forever because he he started looking at the crowd and he started seeing patterns he started seeing hey there's guys here with red hats there's guys here with yellow hats there's another group here these guys are the instigators these guys are the ones that are screaming these guys have a different job and he knew all this because he'd done it for the u.s military in the past and so he came Came out and talked about it and and i put it up and you can see uh, a video of the crowd and jim's talking to him at the same time from jail jim connects with this guy jim my twin brother gateway pundit and he uh explains what's going on and i put that video as well in the uh in my post this morning you had linked to it so you can you can go see that but here's what he says and I, here's what I wrote in my book on, on January 6th, towards the end of the chapter. Overall, however, when looking back at that day, the largest group present at the Capitol to create and cause violence was the deep state actors working for the FBI, the DOJ, or other three-letter government entities. We're not really sure who they were with. Another thought is they're with the military, or maybe they were foreign military. We don't know right now. Mr. Higgins is saying 
that they're they're feds so uh defined feds chris rail monkey around with names he's a, he's just a liar he lies about everything he's been involved in the enron scam the the uh the russia scam he's just a liar that's all he is and uh, remember it was chris christie that told president trump to hire this guy that he could be trusted thank you chris christie anyways i go on here two years after the imprisonment after his imprisonment Warren came out about a January 6th hostage by the name of Jeffrey McKellop. And he was a he was a decorated former third special forces group soldier and U.S. government contractor. Jeffrey was being held in the in the gulag in D.C. and as a political prisoner after he served his country for 22 years of military service. Uh, the gulag is the name given to the uh, Washington D.C. jail where January 6th hostages are being held. And uh, this piece comes from the Gateway Pundit. Jeffrey has been silenced by his government after his arrest in March of 2021. So that's how long he's been sitting in jail, I believe, without even a court date yet. This stuff is absolutely unconstitutional, criminal. Whoever's doing this, the prison, the jailer, the uh, the Democrats in the January 6th committee, all those people I put uh, Liz Cheney in that group. All these people need to be held accountable. What they're doing is unconstitutional and therefore criminal. And this guy's sitting in jail and they're covering him up. This is what they're doing. They're, they're withholding his information. He he says and I'm, I, that he started looking into video coverage, uh, footage, and, and documented evidence from January 6th. He said he was able to identify numerous government informants and agitators in the massive Trump crowd that day. After he put together his evidence, he sent it out to numerous contacts. That was when the FBI came into his prison cell, a jail cell, and took his research. They then accepted they attempted to silence him and banned him from phone and mail privileges. McKillops I, I says, I know for a fact that there were undercover agents, man. I saw them. I spotted it. And when you find one, then you know what to look for. And then you find them, all of them, all undercover agents. They all wear the same thing. They all move the same way. They all get together the same way. Why do I know these? Because I used to do the same thing. He says, I've been saying this for a year and a half now that Antifa were there, Antifa and Black Lives Matter were there, but they changed their, their chameleons, man. They look like us, they dress like us, they act like us, and then they committed violence in our name. This is guerrilla warfare, he says. Kellops identified individuals in the videos he saw, and he is convinced that these people were there working for the government. He's been in jail for more than two years. This is written up about almost a year ago. Uh, or at least a half year ago without a trial for the crime basically of knowing too much so that's what mr higgins is getting to the bottom of this but who really were the people that were that were that created the violence there that day and and here's why we know they did is because because in in president trump's rallies where he had 1.1 million people before the 2020 election at all these rallies crowds of 60,000 there was not an instance of violence so how does this happen that suddenly there's violence on January 6th? Was it because Pence was a liar? Was it because he 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 uh, stabbed, uh, he was Brutus and stabbed us all in the back? Sure, that upset some people. Did that start the violence? Was it planned by Pence that way? Come out that day, just at that moment, to incite the crowd? Was 
sense on it? I believe he was. I believe all of that. I believe it's all true. This is what was going on against President Trump. This is the 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 amount of of work that was put in place to cover this whole thing up. This was outrageous. What happened on January sixth? This and 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 David Clements has created this new documentary, and we'll be talking to David about it tomorrow. But the premise of this documentary, and he gets into the, some of these guys in, from January 6th that are rotting in this in this jail. It's against the law. It's against the law. Some of these guys have been put in solitary. This is against the law. This is not right. These guys, some of them, they were they said they were trespassing. There was no signage there. They had, they had, they there were people that applied for warrants to be able to do. And and have uh, have events there at the Capitol that day, and this is, I believe, some of the same same area that they're saying people trespassed on. This is outrageous. And inside the inside the Capitol that day, as well, what they let people in, they walk in. Some of them went to the bathroom and left. There's one guy, a plumber I know, said, "You know what? I was there. There was no there was no porta potties out there. I wonder how many people went in that Capitol to go to the bathroom." It was all thought through by sinister, cunning, evil people, and and they and they've attempted this coup d'état of President Trump during his administration. And January sixth was just a continuation after the stolen election. This is all unbelievable stuff. And I tell you what, our next guest is going to be unbelievable. Will we'll share with us incredible information from an expert opinion about U.S. law and what happened. On November third, because that's what that's what caused January sixth was the fact that David does a great job of sharing this in his in his new new documentary. People were there January sixth because the election had been stolen on uh, November third. So, looking forward to having Harry Hari here with us right after this break. You're gonna you're I hope you're gonna be as blown away as me with the information he's gonna lay out here. He's uh, it, it's I, I really look forward to it. I haven't met this guy. And I and I just really look forward to all that he has to share. So hang with us. We're going to have a quick break and we'll be back with Harry Hari. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the Internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans, that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Hey, we are back on the Joe Hoff Show. So thrilled to have our guest with us today, Mr. Harry Hari, who's just an, an election expert that I've heard about, and I'm just so anxious to really uh, start, uh, you know, just hearing what, what he has to say. But Harry, welcome to the Joe Hoff Show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, thrilled that you're here. We were just talking before the break and we're just meeting now. I lived in St. Louis for about 20 years. And uh, then I had the opportunity to go to Hong Kong in 2011. And I was over there for about 10 years and started writing at the Gateway Pun at my brother's website. Uh, 2016, we both really, uh, I was i was enamored with President Trump. I thought this is exactly what we need, some outsider to come in and, and, and you know, and, and take on this deep state. Somebody with some, you know, the, with personality and everything. He was the full package. And I, I just fell in love with this guy. I can't believe then all the challenges that they've pushed uh, at this guy, inclu including the coup d'etat. Then uh, ultimately uh, ending with the uh, with the 2020 election, and uh, then since then January 6. Now we got all these court cases against the guy. It's unbelievable what's going on in my eyes. And uh, and Harry, you mentioned that you were at some of the early Tea Party meetings back in uh, St. Louis uh, years ago, and I was at some of those too. My brother Jim was instrumental in starting some of those. Him and Dana Loesch. And others, yeah, that um, Gina, Dr. Gina Loudon showed up at some of those. She's now at uh, RAF. So some pretty big names that came out of that uh, that effort early on. And here you were there, too. Um, wouldn't you know? Gina's husband, husband was actually in, in a scout, uh, Cub Scout pack that I was Dinchy for many, many years ago. So my wow. parents lived in Claymont subdivision where his mother lived as well, as you probably know. So, Wow. Anyway, wow. long, long history. World. Yeah. And um, I didn't know you were in St. Louis. And I, uh, I actually went to Hong Kong, as I mentioned, for about 10 years, came back in 2020, but came back to Florida. I like the warm weather we enjoyed in Hong Kong. And then uh, about a year later, a year and a half, decided to come up to St. Louis, was there for about a year. And I was really looking at the election at that time. I started writing, uh, I've written three books now on the election steal. And um, then I moved back here about a year and a half ago. <laughs> we had that cold weather, uh, you know, after being uh, so warm for about, you know, I don't know how many years, you know, 12 years. It was like, yeah, we decided to come back here. So we're back in Florida. And unfortunately, we never had a chance to meet when I was in uh, St. Louis. But uh, so you've been there a long time. Maybe you can fill us in on your past and and how you ended up uh, in St. Louis. And really, then we can start digging into uh, all this incredible knowledge that you have of our election processes. So I I started off, I was born in Kansas, actually, and then my parents moved to St. Louis when I was 10. So I, I count, I went to high school there. So yeah, the, uh, yeah. that's an inside joke for St. Louis. And yeah. so, anyway, uh, I had a, a long history. I was active in the Queenie Township Republican Organization, which I don't know if you remember the name, uh, uh, Jan Claridge or not, but she was the committee woman at the time, and uh, I was the treasurer. Uh, we were largely responsible for getting um, John Ashcroft through the primary against Gene McNary, uh, just by way of history. 
The reason that that's important is Ashcroft, when he's running for Senate for his second term, which he loses, by the way, but in a very strange election runoff to the widow of, of his actual opponent that dies just before the election, Ashcroft becomes uh, obviously attorney general under G.W. Bush. But the other thing that that he was was an advisor uh, from a legal perspective on elections. Queenie Township Republican Organization, there was an associate of, uh, uh, of the organization by the name of uh, Paul D. Gregorio, a name that many people will recognize as uh, the first chairman of the EAC. He also was responsible for heading the committee that ends up writing AVA. Um, I was already working at, by that time, I was already working in the software industry uh, on high speed uh, item processing. Uh, they asked me to do uh, fairly extensive free political consulting with regard to writing AVA because at the time, the largest users of scanners and optical character recognition systems were banks uh, dealing with checks. So I had a long history uh, that goes obviously back to the year 2000. Uh, I was involved peripherally, very peripherally in a minor way with the Bush versus Gore uh, challenge as well. So I was intimately familiar, mainly as an observer as, and an occasional commentator. On, on how that particular election challenge was run. And, um, and then I get pulled into helping write HAVA, uh, primarily because I had helped uh, St. Louis County, who, where Paul DiGregorio becomes the election commissioner for St. Louis County, uh, Missouri, and uh, ends up taking a political route. I took an entrepreneurial route. Um, the fact, though, was that... Uh, when the election fight starts in 2020, I have some overlay. I can fill in some of the gaps. Uh, I became an entrepreneur. I, I ended up helping the Treasury Department with some anti-money laundering issues, uh, developed talent for cyber security and cyber coding, end up uh, working as a contractor. Uh, you know, the contractors have different roles, but I was what they call an information assurance uh, architect. Uh, so my specialty develops into, you know, highly secure communication systems, um, which then overlays a lot of what happens in 2020, right? So <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is in the 2020 fight, uh, I, I get a call from Andrew Giuliani and uh, Wilson Powell to, to, to help uh, try to figure out what happened. I had uh, extensive intelligence community experience by that time. So is that, and, sorry, to interrupt, sorry to interrupt. Is that, is that Rudy's son? Is that who that is? Yes. And, and, uh, and uh, Attorney Powell. And Sidney Powell's well. son. Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard about him. Be, yeah. I'd become familiar with them. Uh, they were trying to analyze odd statistical anomalies even before the election. So, uh, I, it, it's a long story, but I'd had some association with uh, Steve Bannon and uh, Jack Maxey while the two of them were still uh, in mm. partnership. And um, yeah, uh, and through a, a variety of flukes, which I know isn't the subject uh, for this discussion, I end up in China like you did, overlapping your period of time, actually. Uh, wow. 
work working uh, uh, my title was for most of that period of time was chairman of the u.s china energy cooperation program which is a whole nother story that in, be in beijing that was in beijing yeah so yeah, yeah. i spent spent a lot of time in the interior and i've been wow, to that's amazing hun hundreds of yeah. cities in china so yeah yeah uh, i've been around there i've probably been in and out a hundred times china I've been living in hong kong for 10 years and my wife's from china so yeah been to beijing i love Beautiful, hong you know, kong, saw the great actually. wall <laughs> yeah it was a great place it was a or at least place. i used was... to love it i when it, it yeah was one of the most amazing cities on the planet until yeah. it was yeah I, essentially yeah. dismantled by the ccp how about it right i uh ended up leaving in 2020 as covid came down ended up uh retiring I came back here a week after I came back here after writing at the Gateway Pundit for about five years, but having a full-time position, that was a side uh, hobby. Um, I uh, They they put, came out with a law passed it a week after I came back here saying, if you say anything bad about China or write anything bad about China, we're going to send you to China. And um, <laughs> I was like, well, thank you, God, you know. But that's amazing. So, what's your education? Do you did you get a in in IT in uh, computers? Uh... So, so the relevant education. I had a specialty. I, I'm an engineer, undergraduate chemical engineer from Washington University in St. Louis. Oh wow! Um, yeah, great school. Yeah, and I also had a subspecialty in system science mathematics. So I'm kind of a a quant would be a or, or geek if you oh. want to use that word. I, I'm wow. A, old old geek but i i have a very yeah. odd talent with numbers that's part of what got me into cryptography yeah. and, and wow. internet communication so when i you know i i'm an older guy so so when i when yeah. i graduated with from school computer scientists made you know about 30 percent less than just regular engineers yeah. and uh i was a chemical engineer which still is probably the most highly paid out of out of school but uh, but uh computers were always kind of a second love of mine so i uh, ended up yeah. developing uh, experience over the course of decades uh yeah school of hard knocks if you will I, yeah and i end up yeah i basically end up being a researcher for the nsa uh research and development people and cindy national wow. laboratories and uh the rest is history. It's you didn't you didn't know Bill Benny there. Yeah. How about well, it? I've, yeah, you know I've talked Benny? to Bill Benny, but I didn't know Bill or Kirk Weeby when they were uh, associated. Yeah, yeah. Although I know I know them both. Weeby probably a little better than than Benny. Um, wow. My my business partner is a whistleblower. I think you probably know him, Nate Kane. He's running for Congress in West Virginia, but. Uh, my current Great. business activity is as uh, acting CEO of Kane and Associates while he runs for Congress. And uh, oh, wow. we were also involved. Both of us were involved in the election fight in 2020. I, I didn't actually know him at the time, but we we spent the next two months at the Weston Hotel in Arlington. Um, I managed to, to to spend Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and in the Weston Hotel. <laughs> it's wow. Of, it's that's where Sidney Powell was at, right? What was that? Was that with Sidney Powell? That well, Sidney had there? a war yeah. room there, but then they were harassing her. So she left, uh, she left the hotel, but, but both Andrew and, and, and Wilson were, were running around. There were really basically two, 
command hotels, the Mandarin Oriental and, uh, and the West. And, and there were a lot mm -hmm. of people that, that, you know, were watching the place <laughs> as, nice as cause, people yeah. came, in, came and went. But surprisingly, during the election uh, fight, most, most of the people involved were not really election experts. So it, uh, mm. there were really only a couple of us involved. And, uh, mm. and of course, so, and then I have, you know, everybody's got questions about, uh, you know, the, the, the machine hacking story and whether the machines are compromised, whether they're, uh, you know, legal, <laughs> All, you know, ranging right. from really sensible questions to, uh, perhaps a, a little bit more, uh, I won't call them unfounded. I mean, there's, there's a difference. People talk about conspiracy theories all the time there, you know, but right. in my days in the, in the intelligence community, I, I, I learned the hard way uh, that you, you have to try to ground yourself in, in what you actually know versus what you suspect. And so I'm always pretty careful about trying to uh, distinguish the two. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about theories and concerns. I mean, every lawyer that ever has done a case, criminal or civil, will have a theory of the case, right? That's just a theory. It's a bunch mm -hmm. of facts that they string together with connections. But, you know, the mainstream media narrative is that, uh, you know, we're all... Uh, conspiracy theorists and seditionists yeah. and this type of thing. I was not at J6. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah I me neither. Oh, I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad I wasn't. I've been <laughs> running too. down that hill and running inside. And, you know, that's just kind of, so it was a blessing for me there too. It's, Jim went, uh, but he wasn't anywhere near the Capitol. It was cold, he said. It was a freezing day. It was freezing. And there was people are saying it's the biggest crowd they ever seen. And what a tragedy that was. And David, you know, so you know David Clements pretty well. He speaks highly of you, and that's that's kind yeah, of how David I got and your I are very close info. friends. We're you know, David and I are both very close friends. We're we have a little different view of of what needs to be done with regard to elections right now. Uh, you know, uh -huh. the, and just to be clear, I have a very negative view. I entered testimony for Phil Klein and the Amistad project but before the Supreme Court of the United States on on the insecurity of, of the machines and the failure to certify right. them properly and uh, but but the fact is some of that adjudication I mean the lawsuits and whatnot are you know they're they're mired in in procedural uh, matters uh, sometimes a fair amount of conjecture there's a tremendous amount of backlash in terms of you know, weaponized litigation. I mean, watching the truth of vote people suffer the the horrible attacks yeah. that they have. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and, and and at least so far, they've been found. Uh, you know, on the right side of justice on 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 every issue that's actually gone to final litigation. But the but the fact of the matter mm -hmm. is, the the weaponization of this type of structure by the yeah. uh, other people other side if you will the t I, mm -hmm. I use the word dark side sometimes but that's a probably an overgeneralization yeah, sure. but the but the fact of the matter is that their their objective isn't you know to win in court their objective is to destroy people and to yeah. to impoverish right. them and and discredit sure. them to the degree that they can so yeah, um, you know, Jim and I've been through that. Jim, uh, you know, with Gateway Pundit, I've seen, I've watched him from afar. I mentioned this to, in the first segment here. Uh, I saw, I did a study for Jim uh, in 2017, 
And of the top 10 conservative sites on, on Facebook, based on this study that I think was done by Soros for Harvard uh, Journal Journal School or Journalism School or something like that, um, of the top 10, their volume was down 95% in one year uh, yeah, on Facebook from 2016 to 2017. And uh, Zuckerberg would go in and say, oh, we don't censor conservatives. And all the representatives, Republican would say, okay, well, that's great. Now let's move on to the next subject. And we had data showing uh, that this is uh, that this massive censorship. And it's still, and it's even, it's gotten worse, really. I've seen them censor uh, uh, the Gateway Pundit so much. And they're even paying uh individuals to attack uh, advertisers, Gateway Pundit being one of the top ones. And we were targeted by that uh, one outfit too, after the election, right before and after the election, this EIP, the Election Integrity right. Project, we're the top domain by far, like twice as much as number two, which was uh, uh, Breitbart as far as our targeted, uh, you know, uh, uh, articles. And I believe most of those were mine. With my background in audit, we were just absolutely crushing it after the election, saying this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, and um, and so you know that's what happens. So let's let's start start there, Harry. So what did what did you see, and 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 or what maybe maybe some of the things you already knew, and then you saw them play out in twenty from your experience over since you know since the Hava Act, and maybe quite frankly, maybe we should start there, and you can explain a little bit about Hava to our novice and listeners that don't really know what you're talking about when you say Hava. Uh, maybe we should start so there first. After after Bush uh, defeats Gore in the 2000 election, uh, there's essentially a lot of anger amongst Democrats uh, concerning what they thought was meddling in the, in the election by the courts and whatnot. And so they, they want as kind of their condition for cooperation with government to, to have a a compromise, if you will, on uh, election reform and, and the election reform uh, law act, if you will, uh, was called the Help America Vote Act. So HAVA was written as a result of a decision to basically get rid of the punch card ballots and replace them with uh, regular marked ballots uh, with the purpose of being able to use optical and image scanning to, to capture those ballots. Now, we've gone well beyond what was ever anticipated originally in HAVA, uh, the technology behind, you know, the integrated election management systems and and things like uh, Poll Chief uh, from Conic and and these types of of things were were not even possible <laughs> in the year 2000, much less anticipated right. by by Hava. So, but the but the history of Hava is quite clear. It was an attempt to standardize. Uh, kind of a baseline capability and baseline security and and baseline operational nature of how federal elections should be run. It wasn't trying to specify a particular standard operating procedure or federalize the elections, but it was felt that we needed to, you know, mostly just to be clear, even though it was written by a Republican committee, uh, it was an answer to, you know, the Democrats' war cry that 
I mean, they, they literally, I was in some of these meetings, the, they literally threatened to burn the American cities down, which they waited uh, until Trump to actually 20 years, to do yeah. that. But, mm-hmm. So the, the, the fact of the matter is that, that, that it was built out of a compromise uh, understanding that, that, you know, having dimple, dimpled ballots and hanging chads were a problem. And so they tried to solve it through using image scanners which, you know, now with the evolution of what has happened in the election process has become another problem. But it anticipated a lot of things. One of them was a certification uh, of, of the systems. And, and that was the business I was in at the time with the NSA was building secure communication systems so, and designing them. And, and, uh, and I've been, you know, some of them I can tell you about, some of them I can't, but I've been involved in some of the most secure <laughs> telecommunication networking systems that the United States government uses. And and so we have standards for this. They used to be called the NSA protection profiles, and they were called the NIST protection profiles. And now those have actually been taken over by CISA. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's a whole set of procedures and it's complicated further by the implementation of the executive order, which Obama issues, which is to, uh, you know, declare election systems part of the national critical infrastructure, which actually kicks in what's called FISMA, the Federal Information Security Modernization Act. And, uh, and when you combine FISMA requirements and HAVA requirements, you realize that that, that they're all designed to ensure that we have, you know, hacker-proof, uh, reasonably risk-free uh, systems with risk-free policies and procedures surrounding them. Most people don't understand cybersecurity. You know, I can use the mo- most insecure device in the world, but if I'm sitting inside of a Faraday cage where no signals can get to me, it's perfectly secure. It doesn't matter that that I'm on a device that could be hacked by a teenager. It, it because they can't get to it. Uh, but on the other hand, when you have a computer, in a, a personal computer, and it's sitting out on a desk, unlocked, on, has a master password that's shared between people, like some of the election equipment that is now famous, mm-hmm. this, is not, this is not secure. I mean, it's not because it couldn't be used securely. It's because the context within it within which it's being used is insecure. So I knew about this already. So, you know, when the election fight starts, um, I didn't really get pulled in because of my election election expertise. It was because of my knowledge of what it meant to have a secure computer system and and what it didn't mean and my ability with statistics. So, um, you know, spotting anomalous patterns, if you will, (laughs) which is often Mm. involved in cryptography or, or, or breaking somebody else's crypto- cryptography, which is also an activity I've been involved in over the years. So, so the fact of the matter is that, that I go in knowing that these, these systems have, have routinely been uh, waived, right? The, the requirements under the law to certify them as being secure and keeping them secure uh, and, and keeping them certified were just being completely ignored. I mean, CISA, without any legal authority that I'm aware of, yeah. uh, and, and no lawyer has explained under what legal authority CISA is writing all these waivers, the real answer was supposed to be, if you can't secure them, you're supposed to use paper. 
And uh, this yeah. is why Dave and I became friends is because I, I have deep knowledge of system security issues. And, and uh-huh. I, you know, I, again, I don't, I, I'm not claiming that the CCP hacked them or Leonardo hacked them from, you know, satellites or anything like that. But to argue that they were used in a secure fashion is complete nonsense. We've got yeah. it on videotape where people, you know, with root privileges on the systems, are walking through an active counting center with a bag full of thumb drives. This is complete nonsense from a security Unbelievable. Standpoint. Yeah, how about and, it? And, and, Harry, and, let's, yeah, go ahead. Now, let me interrupt. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're going to take a quick break because I can't wait till we sure. come back because you're really, you're really getting into the uh, meat of what's going on. People want to know yeah, exactly the topics you're just jumping into now. So sorry, we'll take a real quick break and then we'll be right back with Harry Hari. Can't wait to hear what's going on next. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It's for the greater good. Have you noticed how often you've heard that expression? Mostly every time someone's advocating taking your rights away? The greater good. It connotes the old phrase, the common good, right? We're doing this for the common good. And we're gonna, yes, we're taking some of your income but we're doing it for the common good. Well, that's shifted now to the greater good. Greater for whom? Never seems to be greater for me or for you. Always seems to be greater for them. And who gets to decide for whom it's greater? Why, well, they do, of course. Be silly to allow you and me to be able to determine what's in the greater good and for whom. This is the insidious underbelly of the totalitarian governmental impulse. And it's not just here in the United States, it's in Ireland, it's in the EU, it's in Australia and New Zealand. China, they don't even have to bother about it. They do what they're told. That's the entire essence of a totalitarian regime. But what's scary is how many democratic regimes want to emulate the totalitarian regimes. For the greater good, I'll take a hard pass. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're with Joe Hoff on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT. Hey, this is Joe Hoff. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Harry Hari. Just want to mention, hey, we had a little brief discussion here over break, but let's let's uh, continue where we left off uh, right before the break about uh, really, uh, these external forces interfering with our election, 
and all this confusion that came about after the election and what your thoughts are ultimately on on what happened and how we can uh, fix it for 2024. So, so we've allowed lots of things to go on that are just completely flagrantly wrong. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, and you mentioned during the break that you, you have an auditing experience. The fact of the matter is a true auditing uh, approach to the fight after 2020 would have had different results than screaming and yelling about uh, packet captures flowing across, uh, at least suspected to have yeah. been flowing across the internet. So the the fact of the matter is that, that the system was built using banking control mechanisms. So one thing people don't know about the Help America Vote Act, because they don't know the history, but but I'm one of the largest vendors at the time of advanced item processing workflow control systems in the world with 19 of the 25 largest banks in the United States are my customers, Visa, MasterCard, American Express are my customers, a number of large international banks are my customers. So the control mechanisms and the audit procedures, although partially implemented already in election systems, were suggested as the same types of audit procedures and control procedures that they use to make sure checks are not stolen, uh, injected, uh, go, go missing in, in processing items. The extremely strict uh, error rate that's built into HAVA, the Help America Vote Act, that, that was suggested by me personally, based on yeah. an extrapolation of the check error rates that were deemed to be acceptable to a large banking customer, one of the largest, I can't tell you which customer it was, but it's one of the largest banks in the country still. And, um, and, and the fact of the matter is we use that model for surety uh, to, to control the mechanism by which the ballots were supposed to be. And I put that in big quotes, supposed to be handled. But for whatever reasons, people think those audit control procedures that would be completely normal in any corporate environment and should be normal in any government environment or optional yeah. with regard to elections, which is yeah. is really, really what happened. People are doing things that they're ignorant of. They're doing things that they're uh, that they're apathetic. You know, we kind of use the, the use the the three letter acronym of, of uh, ignorant, arrogant and malicious. It doesn't matter whether you're ignorant, apathetic, you know, arrogant or malicious. The, the fact of the matter is that, that the process that's been allowed to evolve is destroying the country, literally destroying mm. the country. Well, it's, and, and, that, and that's been my point, too, with David. It's like from a, from an audience background, I, I look at this and it kind of concludes with this after writing these three books. And my actually my second book on what happened at the end of each chapter, I'm like, and therefore this election never should have been certified. The next chapter, and therefore, this election never should have been certified. Everything was broke when you look at it and compare it to the real world, what I call the real world, which is corporate. It didn't have a system that's not secure, you know, in production. There's no way. You, you can't you have know, a be, system for paying bills that doesn't track the bill paying process. <laughs> I mean, and, you, and I, I mean, you've yeah. done it before. Pay, payment payments are the place. If you if you say instead of purchase orders or contracts and checks, you say ballots and voters. 
It's the same Absolutely. system. It's designed well, it is, to be and the it's same the, system. And they're both worth a lot of money, basically. They have value. Actually, the vote's it's, worth way more than any company more. in the country. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Six trillion, trillion dollars of theft. <laughs> Two trillion yeah. a year they're stealing from us. In the, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, well, the number is actually larger than that, but the you know two a two trillion dollar per year increase in the amount that they're stealing from us, you know for for their pet you know their pet right. projects. But we don't need to get right. into the political. The fact of yeah. the matter is, when they just when they open all those ballot boxes that are in storage in Fulton County, or they open them in in uh, Maricopa, when they open them and the and the batch tickets. The numbers, the counts of the ballots don't agree with what's supposed to be in the box. It's an audit violation. What would you do sure. if you're if you're doing an audit of a financial yeah. system where the journal entries are all wrong? Well, that's would, it. Or for the you would rebuild absolutely. them from scratch, right? You build them from well, scratch. you couldn't rely on them. You can't rely on that's them. Right. That's right. You would they, never you know, use them to make a decision. No. Right? So, and that's <laughs> what that's what should have happened in Maricopa. They they start opening these ballots. I understand those boxes in the audit there. And the first hundred ballots here, hundred ballots here. Yeah. <laughs> he said that every box in the first thirteen pallets they looked at, probably I don't know, hundred. I'm thinking a hundred boxes on each pallet. So about a twenty five percent of the total population of ballots they looked at. Every single box was opened. The seal was broken. Now, from my point of view as an auditor, I would have said, we're done here. We can't re we can't give you any opinion on this because this stuff has been tainted. And, and they, we're done. That's it. And yet they continue to- The operational the audit, security world would do the same thing. It, yeah, it's called a sure. total breach of control. That's the, 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 the intelligence department of defense kind of view of this. If you were talking about a data breach, for instance, on personal data, PII, you would call that the worst type of data breach there is. It's called a total yeah. loss of control. It's a defined term. And, and no, it's not, in this case, it's not on the network. It's not on the computer. It's in the control of the paper. You have no idea what happened. You, you can't use that box to tell you no. anything. And it's worse mm -hmm. than just the, the seals being broken. The number of ballots in the boxes didn't agree with the paperwork that was in the box. It, it, yeah. This tells you not not just that the security envelope's been broken. Yeah. It's It tells you what? It tells you what? It's been tampered with. <laughs> sure. But, but, but we were so focused on our anger about the result, we didn't focus on the the mechanism so so there's three there's three basic ways to challenge elections i talk about this all the time bush versus gore is not a challenge of the outcome it's a challenge of the process and procedure and misconduct under the process and procedure first of all the mechanism of validating voters in miami-dade county the second was the method of counting dimple dimple ballots and hanging chads and in Broward County, and and that challenge ends up changing the election, but not until they had proof from the recount that the original count was wrong and the certification for uh, Al Gore was was not proper. If we had, if it's my argument, and I argued for it, part of the reason no one was listening was that wasn't what they wanted. They wanted a they wanted a quick strike win, but the but the fact of the matter is that. We should have attacked the misconduct under the election and then proven materiality from the examination of the misconduct. And so what what I've done in the in the last 
you know, three years is work with people that are trying to develop actual really real hard data about 2020 and 2022 um, that show <laughs> election misconduct. It doesn't mean that it was malicious misconduct. Most people don't understand the law with regard to election. Election fraud doesn't require intent. It just requires, it's a statement of fact that something that's in the system was allowed to get in the system against procedure process or rules, and therefore it is fraudulently counted. So it's not civil fraud. It's not securities fraud. It's not financial fraud. It's election fraud. It's got a very specific definition, which is, you didn't obey the law in putting that ballot into the counting system. And so, mm-hmm. so, so one of the groups I started working with uh, uh, almost two years ago now is, is New York citizens audit Marley Hornick's group um, right. be, because they were focused on doing what looking at, at the records that the election commission was maintaining, you know, in this case, the state board of elections in New York, uh, but now we've expanded the effort through our group, United Sovereign Americans. We've expanded it to 23 states. So we're, we believe that the right answer to fixing this, and, and I'll step back from that. The word fixing is inappropriate. Putting enough sand in the gears that they can't do to us what they've done in the last two elections at such massive and blatant scale, which is to ignore the law. So, so what, what we're concentrating on is researching the data, the actual hard data, millions and millions of records, finding violations of black letter law. The reason we're using black letter law is this isn't, this isn't an interpretation when it says that this box has to be marked in black ink. Was it marked in red ink? I mean, it's that simple, right? It's, it's something that's understood. It, the lawyers would say it's determined law. So we're looking at determined law. The the reason for determined law is you don't have to get into a lot of logical discussion about the law because the law is self-explained either through precedents in the courts or it's in plain English. And then the other thing we're doing to avoid kind of the nonsense is we're using their own data. We aren't trying to develop our own. We're we're using the state board of elections data. So when we go with a complaint, we're making a complaint against their own law and I say our own law, we should say New York law in this case uh, originally, but now we're working in North Carolina and Virginia and Michigan and Wisconsin and California and, and uh, Texas and, and, and Florida and all over the country. And, and the effort is really designed for one purpose, to provide a, a, a platform for wit, from which we can start issuing uh, litigation that are on very simple matters. They can't look at us. Is the data okay or not? I gave you the data files. You tell me if it's wrong. You And by the way, you gave me the original files. <laughs> and this is what our queries of the data show. And, and you can't have, you cannot have obeyed the law <laughs> if this data shows this. And, and so they, you know, we're, we're focused on Again, it's a simplistic approach, but the reason for simplicity is that we want to have effect by 2024. I mean, we've, you know, we've messed around with this now for, you know, three years and uh, we can't mess around any longer. And, and, and do I think that the, the machines, if they continue to be used, have to be truly secure? Yes, I do. 
Uh, how do we get? Are there? they now? Yeah. No. Are they now? No. Not not by Absolutely not by the not. standards that apply under the law. No. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. Not in any real world either. Hey, uh, so much so much to talk about, Harry. I could talk to you for hours. Maybe we'll have to have you back soon. I hope so. Uh, really, uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, thanks for all you do. And uh, we'll be catching up with you again. I've got a million questions I want to follow up with you. So we'll get you on again, hopefully, uh, to, sh- Anytime, to talk Bill. through some of this. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. God bless you. And we'll be back tomorrow on the Joe Hoff Show. Thank you, Harry Hari. Harry.